This podcast is a 3D audio production, so watch out as sounds may seem to come from beside you or behind you. For the best listening experience, please use headphones. Hey friends, it's Fred Greenhalgh here, producer and head of audio here at Realm. There's a new show I think you'll be interested in called Ominous Thrill. It's an anthology of character-driven dark fiction. In its next episode, titled Being True, Stuart hits his breaking point and turns to the dark web to order the end of a troublesome client. But the mysterious woman who answers his call proves to have even darker needs of her own. Here's the short preview. You want to know why? Okay. Because I can't live like this anymore. I need this solved once and for all. Then do this yourself. I have fantasized about that so many times. How it would happen. What it would be like. Feel like. I just... I need help. Professional help. Ominous Thrill is out now, everywhere you listen. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, You play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Realm presents Orphan Black, the next chapter, season two, starring Tatiana Maslany, Jordan Gavaris, Evelyn Brochu, and Christian Brune. Episode nine. <laughs> Elena pounced on the little Sestra with Vivi first, and she went down easy, like wrestling with a baby lamb. Yes, she was the same height as Helena and the other Sestras. A little thinner, no meat on her bones. But she also seemed smaller. Everyone had a presence, the way they held their body. Some loomed big and strong. Some shrank into themselves, weak and helpless. This one did try to put up a fight, though, which did not count for nothing. But it was almost nothing. Helena pushed the little Sestra's face into the sand, straddling her while the woman struggled to breathe. Her arms flailed as she tried to reach back and knock Helena free or scratch her face. Soon, they stopped flailing. Helena looked up. Vivi was aiming a pistol at her. Traitor. Where is Brother Sestra? Helena. I... I should be surprised to see you here, but somehow I'm not. I really hope you didn't kill Shannon. Helena glanced down. So this was Shannon Billings, 
the woman who had left her pig husband in Detroit. She felt a twinge of guilt as she discreetly grabbed a fistful of sand. I don't kill sestras anymore, but maybe you are exception. Listen, you need to know that I... Helena threw the sand into Vivi's eyes. Oh, for fuck's sake. I'm not... Helena launched herself forward and rammed Vivi in the stomach with her shoulder. (laughs) Vivi staggered back, gasping for air. Helena grabbed her right arm and bit into the wrist. It must have hurt because Vivi dropped the gun. But she made no sound. She hadn't even cried out for help. Why? Vivi grabbed a handful of Helena's hair and yanked, smashing Helena's head into her raised knee. (coughs) Helena saw stars and twisted away from Vivi, clutching her forehead. I could have broken your nose. Do you expect thank you cards? I will send one to you at hospital. God damn it, keep it down. I'm not your enemy. You are not my friend either. You are not my sister. Helena rushed at Vivi again, slashing her nails at the other clone's face. Vivi went low and swept her leg out, tripping Helena onto her back. She tried to pin Helena down, but Helena rolled away and hooked Vivi's leg with hers. Vivi flipped on top of her and pressed her arm into Helena's neck, holding her to the ground. Listen to me. I've been working on the inside to try to figure out what Blythe's plan is and stop her. I only turned Felix in to save his life. She would have killed him if I hadn't. You are a double agent? Yes. Now can we talk about this quietly? Helena nodded and Vivi released her hold. (laughs) Helena sat up painfully, catching her breath. Vivi went to Shannon. She turned the woman onto her back and checked her breathing, brushing off the sand stuck to her face. If I were ten years younger, you would have beaten me. It was a close fight. Vivi came over and offered Helena a hand up. Helena made no move to take it, but neither did Vivi pull it back. How do I know I can trust you, Vivi Valdez? You don't. So I guess you better keep an eye on me while we go spring Felix. Helena studied Vivi's face. The spy was surprisingly calm under the circumstances. She could have sounded the alarm or summoned help at any time, even now. But she didn't. If anything, Vivi had been doing her best to not draw the attention of Blythe or her followers. Maybe she was telling the truth. Helena took Vivi's hand and climbed to her feet. I will. Now tell me what has been happening while you take me to Felix. Charlotte, what exactly do you mean we should target Blythe's followers? Everyone in Cosima and Delphine's living room turned to stare at Charlotte in undisguised shock. Under different circumstances, the sight of their shared surprise would be comical. Still, it was good to have her family, most of it anyway, under a common roof, working to a common purpose. Charlotte smiled back at them nervously and made her case. I mean that we've been looking at this the wrong way. Well, partly, anyway. 
Aunt Rachel's right when she says that we need to hit Blythe hard and fast before she does something even worse than trying to kidnap Delphine. We all agree that she has a lot of power, but that power doesn't come from her media presence or her wealth, her company, or her island. Those are just her tools. Her real power is the hold she has on her followers. We need to focus on breaking it. Rachel nodded the way she did to make it seem like she wasn't agreeing, but that someone had finally said aloud the things she'd been thinking all along. Charlotte hoped one day to gain that kind of confidence, just maybe without becoming so insufferable about it. Delphine shifted in her seat. What are you proposing? I think if we... Hang on. Are we just going to ignore the fact that Charlotte just used the words Aunt Rachel? Charlotte frowned. Rachel rolled her eyes. Kira looked embarrassed. Dude, I feel ya, but now's not the time. Just let it go. Sarah threw up her hands and sat down as Charlotte resumed speaking. Up to now, we've been on the defensive. Blythe's made this about us, and we've been reacting. We need to make it about her. Bring to light everything Sarah's uncovered and do it in a way that proves to her followers she doesn't have their best interests at heart. Between clones at home, Kasima and Rachel's TV news connections, and social media, we have just as powerful a platform as Blythe's. We just haven't been talking to the audience that matters most in all of this. If we want to stop Blythe, we need to show her followers that she's exploiting them and leading them to disaster. Somehow, I don't think those island maniacs will be impressed just because we start shouting liar, liar, pants on fire. Not by itself, no. But what if one of her own followers corroborated our claims? All eyes in the room turned back to Sarah, who was smiling and holding up her phone. You're talking about Janice. You recorded her? Every word on video. Well done, Sarah. This is just the added ammunition we need. We'll have to present a united front on a platform with the widest possible reach. National news is our best option, and as soon as possible. I still have the pull for that. We'll go on the offensive, take control of the narrative. If you've got friends at the networks, it's a safe bet that Blythe does too. You go in there pitching this story and we may end up tipping our end too soon. Another reason to move quickly. And I can sell it in a way that's mostly once the term. Spoiler free. Allison shot a pointed glance at Charlotte. Good. Sharing too much is how this mess got started in the first place. Right, because keeping secrets was working so well for us. You wouldn't have a TV show if we hadn't told the world about clones. The way Allison stared open-mouthed at Kira, Charlotte expected her to go off at any moment. Even Donnie looked like he was bracing himself for a blow-up. Instead, her aunt surprised everyone. You're right, Kira. You're right. I'm sorry, Charlotte. I shouldn't have said that. The truth is, I'm still struggling with all of this. The exposure was my worst freaking nightmare, and I blamed you for making it come to life. I've been trying to make the most of it. I thought I could use the show to help the world see we're just like everybody else. I put my life, our lives, out there day after day, and for what? Just so clones like Blythe and Janice and that crazy woman who got onto our set could undermine all the good I was trying to do. Charlotte's eyes welled with tears. She didn't know what to say. She took Allison's hand and squeezed. 
Allison responded by pulling her into a tight hug, and they held each other until Kasima broke the silence that had settled over the room. The problem isn't that we shared too much. Maybe we haven't shared enough. Shall we? Well, we gave our fellow leaders the truth, but we failed to give them hope. That's why Blythe's followers listened to her. In her own twisted way, she filled that vacuum. Cosima leaned toward Delphine and put her hand on her round belly. Are you sure about this? Is this really what you want? I almost lost you. Both of you. You and the baby are everything to me. I know you feel the same way. Now imagine what it's like for clones who think they can't ever have this. You know this is going to create a, a whole new set of problems for us. As long as it solves this problem first and you and our baby are safe, we'll deal with the fallout later. Does someone want to clue the rest of us into what you guys are talking about? It's simple, Donnie. We can't just tell Blythe's followers the truth about her. We have to share the truth about us. Something that'll give at least some of them hope for a future beyond Blythe. We're, we're going to tell everyone how our baby came to be. Oh, wow. Are you sure that's a good idea? Uh, of course, we can't be sure, but it feels like being honest is the right thing to do. But this is exactly why Blythe tried to kidnap you, Delphine. To force you into this position. All the more reason to do it now. It's our decision to make, not Blythe's or anyone else's. Delphine turned to face Cosima, and the two women pressed their foreheads together tenderly. So, we go on TV, and between the shady stuff that Sarah unearthed from Bly's past, Janice's recorded testimony, and Cosima going public with how she and Delphine conceived, will that be enough to break Blythe's hold on her followers? There may be one more card we can play, but I'll need to do some digging of my own. At the end of the day, though, it'll be up to them. All the people with Blythe now, not to mention the clones she hasn't gotten to. We may not sway all of them, but maybe we'll sway enough. Either way, we'll have to orchestrate this as skillfully as Blythe if we want to drown out her voice and get her followers to listen. Uh, that's going to be a problem. According to Janice, Blythe doesn't allow her followers internet or TV on the island, except in very special circumstances. Poor sods aren't even allowed cell phones, for fuck's sake. How are we going to make sure they get to see it? Maybe Aunt Helena can see to that. You're still in contact with her, right? Yes and no. She told me in her last call she needed to dish her gear so she could infiltrate Blythe's compound. That included a sat phone. I'm, I'm not sure how soon we'll hear from her again. We'll just have to hope Helena calls back in time to do something about the TV reception on the island. In the meantime, we have to bring in the big guns. Honey, Helena is our big gun. No, I mean, we need to tell Arun what's going on. He has to get more involved. It's past time he decided what he cares more about, his career or Vivi. I'll call him. Before you do that, Sarah, the clone who died in Blythe's employ, Cara Devon, tell me what you know about her. When Arun found himself reading the same paragraph for the third time without processing the words, he closed the morning security briefing and rubbed his eyelids. Pull yourself together. He just hadn't been able to focus since Vivi left. This was exactly why relationships among agents were strongly discouraged. Personal entanglements compromised your judgment and your ability to do your job. 
She had also been expected back at work two days ago, and the CIA didn't like it when an agent went AWOL, even an agent it had effectively sidelined. Pretty soon, the agency would be starting its own investigation, and that wasn't likely to end well for Vivi. Either she had defected to join a cult, or she was breaking protocol and working her own case related to the clones, which she had specifically been prohibited from pursuing. Her career would be over. He recognized the Canadian number displayed on his phone as Sarah's. He was confident that his office was secure for the moment, at least until his superiors began scrutinizing his own activities and connections to Vivi. If that happened, they would discover that the two of them had been meeting clandestinely, however innocently, and Arun would be asked some uncomfortable questions about Vivi and the other clones. Hey, Sarah. I hope you have good news. Arun, we've got a plan to stop Lithe and bring Vivi home. That's great. Why do I sense there's a but coming? Well, you're very perceptive. Look, first let me get you up to speed on what we've been dealing with over here. The big one. Bly's people tried to kidnap Delphine. What? She's all right. We stopped them before they got her on a plane to Bly's Island. Why didn't you call me? I am calling you. Right, of course. I'm glad she's safe, but what did Blythe want with her? She isn't a clone. Sarah filled him in on the truth behind Delphine's pregnancy, then Felix and Helena, and what she had learned from Janice about Blythe's cult and her plans to send killer clones out into the world. Holy shit. Yeah. You said you know how to stop her? As Sarah outlined the clone strategy, Arun started pacing back and forth in his office. You realize this might just throw gasoline on the fire, force Blythe to show her hand, maybe even accelerate her plans. Things are going to get worse before they get better. Yeah, story of my life. But if we do nothing, we could lose everything. And I mean all clones, all our credibility, our freedom, maybe even our lives. Blythe could activate her assassins at any moment. We have to act now. If you do this, Blythe might cut and run and move her whole cult someplace we'll never find them, including Vivian Felix. I'd feel better if our people weren't on Haven when you go live with your PSA. Me too. How's Helena doing with the extraction? We've lost contact with Helena. <laughs> Why's that funny? I'm sorry. I'm just losing my shit. Don't mind me. <laughs> you all right? <sighs> yeah, it's, uh... It's just, uh... This is like some comedy of errors, or a horror movie. Vivi goes in and disappears, then Felix goes in and disappears too. So we send Helena, then we lose her. Who's next? Oh. It's me, isn't it? We were hoping it would be you, yeah. You know I can't do that. I'm hanging up now. Oi, not even to save Vivi. Man the fuck up. From where I sit, We've been doing your dirty work for you. We've gathered all the evidence you need to take action against Blythe Winston. She's exploiting clones and building a damn army to meet out bloody vendettas. And Vivi's right in the middle of it. You don't understand how complicated this is, Sarah. I believe you, but my superiors won't. Not without independent confirmation. From their perspective, the intel is suspect. Differentiating clones is still a major problem for us, with no immediate solution. You could be someone else pretending to be Sarah Manning, trying to mislead us. Why do you think Vivi was sidelined by the agency? By the time we untangle all of that- Are you fucking kidding me? 
Some of Blythe's targets are in the U.S. That's got to matter to somebody over there. CIA isn't a law enforcement agency. Threats within the homeland are outside our purview. If you know who the targets are, I can contact DHS and local law enforcement unofficially and put them on alert. But that's the best I can do. Bullshit. You already went outside your purview when you asked us for help. The problem is you're still trying to have it both ways, and that's not going to cut it anymore. You need to do something, Arun. Or is it more important for you to cover your own ass so no one will know you've committed the grievous crime of caring about Vivi? You do care about her. If I get involved in this, Vivi's done here, and I'll lose my job too. You're already involved in more ways than one. And isn't losing your job better than losing her? Arun had to hand it to Sarah. She'd figured out exactly which of his buttons to push. The fact that she was right about everything made it all the more galling. But it was also strangely liberating. <sighs> All right. Yes. I might know some people who can run a covert op to retrieve Felix, Helena, and Vivi. Just figure it out. I will. I promise. I'll do whatever it takes. And I'll be in touch again once I have a plan. After Sarah ended the call, Arun looked around his office, wondering if it would be for the last time. Hang in there, Viv. I'm on my way. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every Factor meal is fresh, never frozen, and is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, it's less expensive than takeout, which honestly was my go-to when I just couldn't or didn't have time to cook a proper meal. So whether you're hoping to cut down on spending, being more intentional with your meals, or just want to save time, Factor can help you get after your goals. Besides their meals, which I have to say, everyone has been delicious, they also have more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled and feeling good all day, like breakfast and midday bites. They've even got fresh pressed juices and protein shakes, and I've really enjoyed their variety pack of wellness shots. I love anything with ginger and cayenne. Factor is also flexible with their plans, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Head to factormeals.com slash orphanblack50 and use code orphanblack50 to get 50% off. That's code orphanblack50 at factormeals.com slash orphanblack50 to get 50% off. Hey friends, it's Fred Greenhalgh here, producer and head of audio here at Realm. There's a new show I think you'll be interested in called Ominous Thrill. It's an anthology of character-driven dark fiction. In its next episode, titled Being True, Stuart hits his breaking point and turns to the dark web to order the end of a troublesome client. But the mysterious woman who answers his call proves to have even darker needs of her own. Here's a short preview. You want to know why? I, okay. Because I can't live like this anymore. I need this solved once and for all. And do this yourself? I have fantasized about that so many times. How it would happen, what it would be like, feel like. I just, I need help. Professional help. Ominous Thrill is out now, everywhere you listen. By the time Sarah rejoined Delphine in the living room, everyone else was long gone. 
Cosima emerged from the adjoining study, clenching her phone the same way Sarah was, with the same expression of lingering annoyance. How'd it How'd go? It go? It, you first. Arun says he'll do it, whatever it takes. And coming from anyone else, I'd be concerned, but he'll come through. It's bloody obvious he loves Vivi way too much not to. Rachel was true to her boasts. She got us a peak viewership spot for tonight on national news and overseas affiliates. I, I guess clones still bring in the ratings, especially when we promise high-level drama with shocking new revelations. Fuck me, is that how she pitched it? Just be glad it worked. Getting a live interview on a major news network in less than 24 hours is practically unheard of. Christ, when Rachel flexes, she doesn't fuck around, does she? <laughs> no, she does not. Sarah collapsed into a chair facing the couch. She suddenly felt exhausted, like she'd been running a marathon for two days. All that adrenaline. But as tired as she was, she wouldn't be able to sleep. Not until this was all over and Fee and Helena were sitting here with them. Well, at least my part's done. Yeah, about that. What now? Well, there was a special condition to getting the airtime, and you're not going to like it. Tell me. You have to be on the show, too. Are you mad? Absolutely fucking not. Sarah, this is the only way our plan works. You're at the center of Helena's book even more than the rest of us. But you've never consented to an interview, and you've managed to stay mostly out of the public eye since the exposure. To the media, you're still a question mark, which makes you as much a selling point as the information we're claiming to have. And it's essential that you be there, since Helena can't. Now, I'd rather infiltrate a shady island populated with violent cultists. No one is surprised to hear that. Listen, the only people who actually like this kind of thing are the ones who love attention, like Allison and Rachel. You think I want to be on TV? I don't. Then why do you do it? Because I have to. Every time I do an interview, it's like I'm... Inoculating people against lies? Right. That's exactly what it's like. I have to try to spread the truth little by little and hope that it's helping others. It, it might sound silly, but I have to put a human face on the science so people won't think of us as just like lab experiments or clone sheep or something. Fine, I'll do it. But I, I don't know how. You really just have to be yourself. More like a slightly idealized, better version of yourself that people will like. She's not wrong. Sarah was feeling queasy. She was really not good at this sort of thing. She found it much easier to act like someone else, to put on a con or impersonate one of her sisters, than to try to be herself. But that was exactly the point, she supposed. This was about being honest. I'm gonna need some coaching. Yeah, you will. Even I did. Rachel was strangely helpful in that department. I'm sure she'd be willing to give you some pointers before we go live. This just keeps going better. Donnie swiped his thumb up, scrolling through the chat history between Allison and Ed Johnstone. Reading the increasingly steamy exchange between the two of them made him jealous. Only Donnie was Ed, so he was really jealous of himself. He looked over from his desk. Allie was going over notes she'd taken in preparation for tonight's interview. Her forehead crinkled in that cute little frown she had when she was concentrating, her lips moving silently. She glanced at him, watching her, and smiled. Since she'd begun exchanging messages with Ed Johnstone again, 
she had been in a much lighter mood. Gone was the anguish she'd expressed at Cosima and Delphine's house when she'd opened up about her struggle with the exposure. It had been cathartic for her, he supposed. She was even more philosophical about the fate of clones at home. Even if the show gets canceled, we haven't failed. We've made a difference in people's lives. Not everyone hates clones. Some people do care about us. A lot. Then she had looked at her phone with a goofy grin and sent Ed a message. When I'm on TV tonight, I'll blow a kiss at the screen. But it's really meant for you. When he asked who she was writing to, she'd lied and said she was checking in with Cosima about their upcoming TV appearance. So, the good news was his Allison fan club plan was working. But it was working maybe too well, because he had fooled his wife so successfully that she was now carrying on a cyber affair with a stranger. She wasn't technically cheating on him because it was really Donnie. But if she didn't know that, was it actually cheating? And did it count anyway if it was only digital? It was just words. Another message from Allie. This time, she had sent him a photo. Oh. Allie had snuck a picture down her blouse and sent it to Ed, while Donnie was sitting on the other side of the room. He could see the frilly top of her lace bra, the one she usually wore only for him. Did you say something, dear? No, sweetie. Look at her, playing so innocent, as if she isn't sexting racy selfies to another man right under my nose. We used to send those to each other. Why didn't he just let her in on what was going on? All their talk about keeping secrets, how the truth would set them free. It wasn't just a line. Allison might be feeling better for the deception, but Donnie had never felt worse. He hated lying to her, and he was paying the price for it. He lowered his head to the desk, eyes squeezed shut. He felt even worse that he was worrying about something like this when Helena and Felix were still in danger, after Delphine had been kidnapped, when Sestras were still being smeared. He shouldn't be distracting Allie when she should be focusing on helping her family. He had to end this. Donnie spent five minutes crafting a brief message to Allie from his Ed Johnstone account. This is my last message to you. I'm sorry, but this is what's best for both of us. It's over. Goodbye. His finger trembled as he hit send. Donnie watched her reach for her phone and read the message. Then she whirled around and glared at him. Damn it, Donnie, I was having fun. What? Allie stomped toward him, shaking her phone. It's over? What the hell is wrong with you? We were just getting to the good stuff. You... you knew it was me? Of course I knew it was you, Ed Johnstone. You named yourself after a character from a musical I produced at the high school. I thought it would help us connect better. I also know you started the fan club. How? Oh, you were the first person to follow it, you big dummy. And you aren't mad at me? She wrapped her arms around him. Oh, sweetie, no, of course not. I love you for it. I'm lucky to have a husband who cares enough to do something like this for me. And I know that no matter what else happens from here on out, that's never going to change. Donnie leaned in for a kiss. Well, after all, I am your biggest fan. Allison rolled her eyes, but she kissed him.
Vivi pressed her back against the squat building where Felix was being held captive. Helena started to turn the corner, but Vivi grabbed her arm and held her back. With her free hand, she pointed above their heads to the security camera pointed at the entrance. Helena extended her thumb and index finger like a gun and mimed shooting at the camera. Uh-uh, too loud. I'll boost you up and you put my cap over the lens. She removed her Tethys baseball cap and handed it to Helena. Then she crouched and threaded her fingers together, palms up. Helena adjusted the waterproof satchel slung across her chest. Before they'd gone to Spring Felix, she had insisted on a quick detour to recover some personal gear from where she'd buried it outside the compound. Helena took a few steps back, then ran toward Vivi, stepping into her waiting hands. Vivi boosted her up, grunting from the weight. Helena leapt toward the camera, but instead of covering it with the cap, she grabbed onto it with both hands. Vivi shook her head and waved her arms frantically. No! Helena planted her feet against the wall and pulled. The camera mount separated from the wall with a pop, and Helena tumbled to the ground, clutching it like a football. Frayed wires dangled from it. Helena grinned and put on Vivi's baseball cap. That's dumb. You just go around doing whatever the hell you feel like, don't you? Who's there? Vivi raised a finger to her lips, her eyes warning Helena. Then she stepped around the corner. It's me, Valdez. The guard pointed a gun at her, but Vivi didn't bat an eye. She just stared back coolly until the other clone put the weapon away. What was that sound? Found someone snooping around the shed. One of Felix Dawkins' sestras. I don't know how she got here, but she was clearly trying to rescue him. I'll call it in. Never mind. I already apprehended her. Vivi heard Helena snort from around the corner. She's unconscious. You go tie her up. No offense, but I'd like to check on the prisoner you're supposed to be guarding. Vivi and the other guard passed each other. The other clone disappeared around the side of the shed. Vivi waited for the sounds of a brief scuffle to subside and for Helena to rejoin her, now holding the guard's confiscated sidearm before she unlocked the door of Felix's prison and stepped inside. All four of the previously bare walls were now covered in bright colors, shapes, and patterns. She took a moment to take it all in. She didn't know what she was looking at, but she liked it. Wow, Felix, this is beautiful. Felix didn't pause in his work. He kept his back to the door. Go away! I have nothing more to say to you! No need for that this time. Helena's taking care of the guard. Oh, Helena! Helena! Helena swept Felix up into a bear hug. Oh! Easy there! You okay, brother Sestra? Well, I am now. How'd you get here? I have boat. A shit boat, but it was free. And it's your ticket out of here. You two have to go now. Felix gazed wistfully at the murals he'd been working on. Shame. I haven't done work this brilliant in years. It seems all the motivation I needed was to be in mortal peril. Well, you could stay, but then you might literally end up dying for your art. Hey, maybe its value would increase after. You have a cruel streak. I like that about you. Seriously, get a move on. As soon as you get back to the mainland, deliver this list to Arun. 
Blythe is planning to send her messengers to kill everyone on it. She handed Felix a copy of Blythe's hit list and was relieved to see a subtle shift in his attitude, showing he recognized the responsibility he now carried. Felix tended to crack jokes and dish out snark, but when lives were on the line, he was all business. He tucked the paper into a pocket. You should live with us. Count, you know what they say about keeping your enemies close. Blythe wants to start these hits in less than a week. I've got to make sure she doesn't step up her timetable or do anything worse before you guys can summon help. I assume you have a radio on that shitty boat of yours? No, but I have this. Helena reached into her satchel and produced a sat phone. Felix snatched it right out of her hand. Oh, thank God. Sarah must be worried sick. Don't call her until you get to the beach. Then get word to Arun. Promise me. You have my solemn word. Try not to die, Vivi Valdez. I'll do my best. You be careful, too. Right then. We're off. Felix and Helena stepped outside and immediately stopped in their tracks. Past them, her sidearm raised directly at Helena, stood Shannon. Drop the gun! Oh, bollocks. Shit. Helena tossed the gun aside carelessly and spread her arms. Sastra, Blythe tell me to bring prisoner to her. Oh, really? You know anything about why one of our guards is tied up with her own uniform? And, and, and why the surveillance camera is broken? It was this way when I got here. Bullshit, you attacked me and Vivi earlier. You aren't one of us. Vivi stepped out of the shed. But I am. Stand down, Shannon. Vivi? What's going on here? This is just a drill, Shannon. We were testing island security, seeing how you would respond to scenarios like malfunctioning cameras and intruders. Shannon wasn't stupid, only emotionally vulnerable. Vivi felt bad for trying to gaslight her, but she hoped it would confuse or distract Shannon just enough that Felix and Helena could get away unharmed. You performed even better than I expected. But there's no emergency here. Helena is actually an esteemed guest, the author of Orphan Black. She was meant to be a surprise for your ceremony, but her arrival was delayed. I've been showing her around. You're lying. You three are working together. Your suspicion is healthy, but unwarranted. Vivi spoke under her breath to Felix and Helena. Get ready to run. Then she slowly approached Shannon who pivoted the gun to point it at Vivi's head. Better than aiming at Felix and Helena, but her skin crawled with anxiety. If she could just get close enough. Good form, Shannon, you're improving, but remember, aim for the center of mass first, then go for the head. Two quick shots. The lesson is over now. Put that away before someone gets hurt. Not until I get a direct order from Blythe herself. I don't have a problem with that, but she might. Go ahead and call her. Vivi unclipped the short-range walkie-talkie from her belt and extended it toward Shannon. It was in moments like this that time seemed to slow down for Vivi. Even with her eyes locked onto Shannon's wide-eyed stare, she was aware of everything around her. Felix and Helena's weight shifting as they tensed to run. Shannon was sweating, And, though her hands didn't waver, her lower lip trembled. 
Vivi tossed the walkie-talkie to Shannon, catching her by surprise. The woman flinched, making a split-second decision on whether to try to catch it or keep aiming the gun. She chose the gun. But before the walkie-talkie even landed in the sand, Vivi was making her move. In one smooth motion, she grabbed the gun, holding the slide back to prevent it from firing while twisting it out of Shannon's grip. Vivi hurled the gun into the underbrush. She smiled when she saw that Felix and Helena were already heading for the beach, leaving Shannon and Vivi to circle each other. Vivi had to give Shannon credit. They had sparred enough in training that the woman had to know she couldn't beat a seasoned field agent, but she was going to try anyway. Maybe it wasn't bravery, though. It was possible she simply couldn't accept another option. How could you do this? Blythe trusted you. I thought you were my friend. Shannon, listen to me. Part of me did want to be a part of all this. It seemed like a nice dream at first. Blythe knows exactly what to say, doesn't she? She finds you when you're at your most vulnerable. She promises you'll find all the things you you think are missing from your life. And you want so much to believe it. You become blind to these things you should have seen all along. You turned on us. You turned on me, just like my husband did. I know it's hard to believe, but I am doing this for your own good. That's exactly what he said. I'm trying to protect everyone on Haven, all clones everywhere. This place isn't what you think it is, Shannon. Blythe's using all of you. Think about what she's asking you to do. She's turning you into murderers, not messengers. Shannon reached behind her and pulled another gun. She swiftly disengaged the safety. Before Vivi could move, the gun was aimed at her sternum. She really was a good student. You're going to regret ever coming here. Believe me, I already regret it. You're listening to Orphan Black, The Next Chapter, starring Tatiana Maslany, Jordan Gavaris, Evelyn Brochu, and Christian Brun. Created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Ever since I was born, I could hear the spirits of the other world. Where old stories take on a new life. If you break even one of these conditions, the consequence is death. And the world is teeming with possibilities. It's midnight, girls! They're here! Get ready to change! Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz! Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with as you've never heard them before. You are no more than a demon! Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. Orphan Black, The Next Chapter, Season 2, is executive produced by Tatiana Maslany and stars Tatiana Maslany, Jordan Gavaris, Evelyn Brochu, and Christian Brune. Based on the television series Orphan Black, produced by Boat Rocker Studios. Written by Melka Older, Madeline Ashby, Helly Kennedy, E.C. Myers, and Lindsay Smith. And produced 
by Marco Palmieri and Haley Wagreich. Associate produced by Nicole Otto and Diana Foe. And executive produced by Molly Barton, AMC Networks, and David Fortier, Ivan Schneeberg, and Jessica Shadlock of Boat Rocker. Performed by Tatiana Maslani, Jordan Gavaris, Evelyn Brochu, Christian Brune, Alyssa Zia, Vikas Adam, Taya Garland, Hudson Mako, Stephanie Shea, Daniel Bonjour, Stephanie Frame, Tiana Camacho, Kimberly Marable, and Nathaniel Kwaku. Directed and produced by Kaylin West. Sound design by Rory O'Shea. Additional editing by Corey Barton. Musical theme performed by Two Fingers and composed by Amin Tobin. Music composed by Trevor Yule.